Thanks for tuning in to WIUX LP Bloomington. You're listening to American Student Radio. Each week, we bring you stories on a theme, and this week, it's The Call. We have pieces about the call to service, the last call, and yes, phone calls. From Bloom... <laughs> from... Uh, again, live? Li- what is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens. Conspiracy. Journalism. And lesbians. Our first piece comes from producer Emily Miles, who spoke with one of the associate pastors at the St. Paul Catholic Center here at IU. His story explores his call to religious life and what it means to just say yes. In your little rock Catholic school, even in first grade, the teacher asks you to pull the tiny religion book out of your tiny desk. You say yes, and there are many classes about vocations. Then on some morning every week, you probably go to church. And the teacher snaps her fingers, asking your class to genuflect in line. You say yes, and there are many homilies about the calls to single, married, and religious life. The priest eventually asks you to confess your sins and to receive the body and blood of Christ. You say yes, and there are many occasions when you think of what it's like to be the priest. Then, when you're a little older, A bishop asks you to choose the name of a saint and confirm during a special mass your genuine Catholicism. You say yes, but you have no clue that out there in the chapel there is an Air Force transport pilot being asked to do something big, big enough that he'll recall your confirmation mass more than a decade down the line. There's about 10 kids getting confirmed, their parents in the back, and myself and my two friends who had invited me. And the bishop read a passage from the gospel, came down and said, all right, I'm going to give you a quiz. And if you pass the quiz, he says to all the confirmandi, uh, then I'll confirm you. And if you don't pass the quiz, well, there's always next year. Big gasp from the parents in the back. His question was simply this, what did you hear in the gospel? And one by one, after a long pause, each of the kids said, "Um, Jesus loves me, or some variation on the theme at the end of which the bishop said, good job, you all pass, I'll confirm you. He then proceeded to give them some advice, which I will never forget. And the advice went like this. It often happens that priests, catechists, parents will tell their children that when they're getting confirmed, they're adult Catholics after that, and somehow they have to know all the answers to all the questions. And he said, let me assure you that you don't. He was 70 years old, a bishop for goodness sake. And he didn't know all the answers. But he wanted to give you a little advice on this milestone. He said, pray every day. Every day. And if by chance during your prayer the Holy Spirit should come to you and ask you to do something, just like when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said you're going to be the mother of God. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to do it, if you're afraid that you can't, or that you're afraid of the consequence you're not sure that you're capable, right? Uh, In any of those cases, no matter what, just do what she did and say yes. 
and all will be well. That was the end of the homily, and your confirmation mass went on. You were probably thinking about the fried chicken dinner to follow, but the serviceman, he was somewhere else. Right at the moment when he spoke the name of Mary, I heard a voice uh, sitting right there, not that anybody else heard it, but it was more like a complete thought put into my head that said, do you hear what the bishop is saying? Well, that's what I'm saying to you. And the thing that I want you to do is to become a priest. And I know that you know that that means that you'll have to give up this career, which you enjoy, and which has been my gift to you. At which point I was completely overwhelmed and began bawling right there in the pew. One of the buddies who invited him to the Mass got out a tissue and said, Why are you crying? You'd think it was pretty clear in that moment. You'd think he'd just say yes. But at the chicken dinner, I was sort of huddled along and um, told to sit next to the bishop. And uh, ironically, I asked him, Your Grace, how is somebody supposed to know if they're supposed to become a priest? And he said, just keep praying and uh, maybe make a retreat or two. Well, it still wasn't clear. And the pilot didn't exactly grow up in Catholic school like you did. I was baptized Catholic, but for a number of reasons, I wasn't raised Catholic. My uh, mother had uh, a nervous breakdown when I was young. Uh, My father wasn't Catholic, still isn't. And so growing up at a very young age, we basically just stopped going to church. And so in a whole nother way, I basically had to find my way to Christianity itself. In college, I tried to sort of strike out on my own, and right after I graduated, I went to Japan, of all places, and I found that being in Japan, in the service, I was as far away from any past influence that I could have possibly had, and so in that regard, I was completely free, as it were, to be completely objective. Looking back, I'm quite sure the Lord knew his timing. So he was primed for that night at your Arkansas Confirmation Mass. But he wasn't ready to be a priest, so he visited some communities. When I met the Dominicans, I encountered this particular variation of the priesthood. I thought, ah, here's the kind of thing that I feel called to, a complete entrusting and handing over of oneself to Jesus, you know, taking vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, sort of this radical gift of myself to the church and to the world. And with the Dominicans, it was a love of their prayer life, a love of their charism of study, I like to read, and just the joy that they shared. And so I sort of not only fell in love with the idea of the order and its spirituality, but these particular guys. After making that realization, he's in the car with his best friend. They're both on their way home from visiting Dominican communities in Chicago. And he says to her, I said, I think I'm going to be a priest. At which point, (laughs) happily, she started crying and saying, I've been praying for six months for that. But the next step, uh, practically speaking, was to find a way to leave the service, to sort of apply for separation. And only once I was separated could I technically apply to the Dominicans. So he applied, spent a year in intense discernment and training in Denver, and finally made first vows. Right then, I enrolled in Graduate School of Theology in St. Louis. Of the four of us who entered, only two of us stayed, which is actually fairly typical. About 50% of the people who enter will discern out, but they try it to see whether it's for them. And over the next several years, uh, my classmate, who I'm very fond of, it took him more time, but he in fact discerned 
that he was called to marriage. And so uh, he left prior to making solemn vows and is now happily married, has a son. He's quite successful. Uh, he's a philosophy professor down in Texas. And so that left me. And in May 2015, a bishop held a special mass in St. Louis. In it, the former pilot was asked again to become a priest. And this time he said yes. And the bishop ordained him Father Raymond Marie Bryce, Order of Preachers. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Emily Miles. The music in that piece was by Andy G. Cohen. In our next story, producer Peter Banyarski took to the streets and asked people about their most memorable phone calls. All right. Uh, it is a uh, cloudy Friday afternoon, um, and I'm walking downtown to ask some people about some phone calls, see what kind of calls they've gotten, um, interesting ones, emotional ones, um, good ones or bad ones. See what we get. Um, I got a phone call from some strangers. Um, they want to sell me things, I think. Okay, what, 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 what kind of things do you think they were trying uh, to sell you? They're trying to sell me, um, uh, vibrators. Oh, really? You just, yeah. got, you just got, like, a phone call out of the blue? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did, what did you tell them? They tracked down my internet record. They said they had internet cookies because I watched some porn on a porn website. And they just start to, like, find out my, I guess, my number or something. My name's Julia Massa. All right, um, so if you could just tell me about that uh, phone call that you were talking about. Uh, so I was in high school. I was 16 years old, and it was the first time my parents had gone away and left me alone with my older brother. And I fell asleep during the day, took a nap. And I remember waking up suddenly out of a dream saying, the phone's going to ring. The phone suddenly rang. I picked it up, and no one was there. And then I freaked out. That's pretty creepy. All right. my memory. It's Emily Epper. I'm from Lawrenceburg, Indiana. The, um, the be- is it the best call that you've ever gotten? I guess it's the best call I've ever gotten, yeah. Um, my daughter, who is five months now, almost six months, we got a call when she was... 11, I was 11 weeks pregnant that she was going to be a girl. Oh, no. <laughs> He's saying my name because no one knows how to spell it. Michaela Capilla. All right. So for like a month, a bunch of people kept calling me, and I didn't know who they were. So I finally started answering. And they were like people in jail in Texas. And... A few, a few of them were speaking Chinese, and then one was speaking Spanish, which I didn't take Spanish at the time, so I had no idea what they were saying. And then one was speaking English, and I kept trying to, like, ask who they were, because I don't know how they're, they're getting my number. Like, I live all the way out here in Indiana. And they were, like, rambling on, and I don't, I think they were kind of crazy. I don't know how long they were being there, but they were saying, like, a bunch of really weird words. I remember Jade was next to me. My sister, she was sitting there next to me. And <laughs> I don't know. I told them not to call the number again. But I think I got a few more calls after that. That's incredible. And you never figured out, like, how, how they got your number or anything? No. They, like, rambled on. Every time I tried to talk about, like, not talk about them, but talk to them, they just kept going and going and going about God knows what. I can't stop. 
Thanks to everyone on the street, and thanks to Harpo and the Invasion for the music. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Peeler Brynjarski. Sometimes talking over the phone can be a little easier than a face-to-face conversation. Last semester, Sophia Salaby called her mom and discussed all the ways they've embarrassed each other. I embarrass myself pretty often by what I say or do, but to help me remember all those moments I tried so hard to block out of my memory, I talked to the one person who's known me since the beginning, my mom. We talked about a recent time she embarrassed me and how I embarrassed her in the not-so-distant past. Okay, it's ringing. Hi. Are we doing this now? Yeah, is that okay? I'm recording. You're recording now? Yeah, is that all right? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Have I already embarrassed you? Yes. (laughs) So? So? I guess um, this kind of came about because you did something to embarrass me recently. Um... Do you want to give your side of the story first, or do you want me to tell you how I felt? Because we've talked about this, but... Yes, we have. Um, Well, why don't you tell your side of the story first? Okay, so um, basically, um, I am 20, um, but I've never been to a wedding, like, except for one when I was a kid. But I was on Facebook over the summer, and I was scrolling through and I saw a post by this guy that I used to be friends with um, early on in high school and he had gotten engaged which kind of freaked me out because it's like that's like a really adult thing to do this is the first person that I've known personally to to get engaged like that I really know or was friends with so and because I'm not really friends with anybody from that friend group anymore, I'm like, I'm going to call my mom because she can probably calm me, but calm me down. Uh, so I called you. We talked about it. It was fine. But then later on, I was on Facebook and realized his mom had posted about it. Right. Right. But you had commented. Oh, congrats, Lisa. Sophia called me about this. Uh, this is so exciting. And I feel like that misrepresented the reason that I called because I was mortified and you were portraying it as if I were like really happy about what happened, even though I haven't talked to this guy in like three years. True. So, but then when I called you. You're right. There's a conflict of opinion on what interpreting the, well, I know, you know, you were like, mom. Why did you put that on there? Yeah, I was. And you were like, and you got really offended because you you didn't think that that's how the comment was taken. No, no, that's not how it was meant. And that's not how it was taken. Well, that's not how I meant it to be. So so I recognized that you were bothered by that. I was like, Mom, why would you do that? And even though I, you know, I I did not completely agree. I empathized with your reaction and said okay done it's gone and then she turned the tables on me i know a time i can think of very clearly when you embarrassed me Ooh, let's hear it 
Oh, oh, so you want me to share? Okay, well, okay. So this is one we've talked about, but so I'm gonna set set the scene a little bit. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so a friend's sixteenth birthday party. Ooh. Right? Oh, okay. And big birthday party all planned out. Had a I think it was Academy Awards theme, you know, so like the red carpet, everybody dressed up and friends and family were invited. And uh, I think everybody was, um, oh, actually we had an MC who was actually a local news anchor who lives in the neighborhood. He's a friend, but big deal, seeing the whole event. And I think everybody got an award. From what I recall, everybody like got, you know, like, and when we got our award and were introduced, we went up and gave our acceptance speech. And let's also say that this event was held in um, their Episcopalian church reception hall. So this is in a church setting. So I forget what award you were given. I think it was most spazzy when sleep deprived, I believe. Most most spazzy when sleep deprived. So my bright, wonderful daughter goes up to the podium to accept her, you know, quote unquote, Academy Award for whatever, being most spazzy when sleep deprived and starts her speech. And in the middle of it, I don't know how to say this without... Let's (laughs) let's say you can't can't say this um, due to what we can play on the air. But if you could allude to what I said, that would um, be best. that took took. Can we say took the Lord's name in vain? Can <laughs> we use that? <laughs> so this whole wonderful, beautiful, happy 16th birthday occasion in in a church hall, and my beautiful daughter steps up to give her little speech and. In the middle of it, I don't know whether you tripped over your words or what what it was or whether you didn't like getting, like, why are you giving me this award? And in the middle of it, it's like, just slipped. And this inappropriate phrase comes out of your mouth. And my toes kind of curled and every kind of cringed. Everybody just kind of politely, oh, Sophia. (laughs) So it was, it was, it was a little... But nothing, but you know what? After it, nobody ever brought it up. It really wasn't, you know. So no big deal. It was no big deal. But in the moment, you know, it was just like, um. Well, I guess I'll go hide in my closet for a thousand years while I try to forget that. Okay. Well, bye, Mama. Bye. I love you. Oh, you do. Bye. Bye. For American Student Radio, I'm Sophia Salaby. In our last piece, Carter Barrett and I went to a local restaurant and bar to find out it's an. In our last piece, in our last piece, Carter Barrett and I went to a local restaurant and bar to find out how its sense of community shapes how it approaches the last call. Turn left towards South Williamsburg Drive, then turn left onto it's South. It's about seven thirty, so we are going to the Cabin Restaurant and Lounge. 
I think it's kind of on the outskirts of town, like if you were heading to like Brown County. It's called the cabin because in the back of the restaurant, they have these cabins where if you're too drunk to drive home, you're allowed to sleep in the cabin out back. When I think of Bloomington bars, I think of Kilroy's or upstairs blasting music and having to squeeze through the crowds to grab a drink. And I think most people our age go to Kirkwood bars for one reason, to go out with your friends and get wasted. We wanted to see another type of bar and find out what makes people keep coming back. So Carter and I drove out to the cabin on a Thursday evening. We initially missed the turn, but we eventually made our way to the parking lot. I mean, when we were like trying to turn around, we almost just drove off the road and it's light out and we are sober so (laughs) okay so we are here at the cabin um it looks like a cabin i'm nervous honestly a little bit yeah i don't know if that's just like reporting nerves or kind of like i don't belong here nerves or what we walk in and sitting behind the bar is the owner sorry the audio isn't perfect you can hear people chatting in the back it's a bar after all my name is jake skinner Uh, i own the bar and the restaurant here i'm 31 years old Since Jake bought the bar last summer, he's been maintaining the six cabins left behind by the previous owners and carried on the tradition of letting people who get too drunk stay out back for free. I remember when I used to sleep back there, I'd get cold in the winter and hot in the summer. But if we have people in the bar and I have a room available, I just tell them to go sack out. Go have a room. I've carried people down there many times, uh, taken keys away, hidden motorcycles and... Besides just the kind of the responsibility of keeping your bar open, what kind of moral responsibility do you think there is to keep people from driving home drunk? I mean, I've never heard of another bar that lets people sleep in cabins out back. You know what I mean? I'd much rather see somebody sleep back there than to get in trouble getting in a wreck. I mean, I've seen people go half a mile down the road and end up in a terrible accident. Jake introduced us to his best friend and neighbor, Cowboy, who lives across the street. My name's Ron Hahn. Everybody calls me Cowboy. I'm 72 years old. This is the damnest bar I've ever been in my life. I've been all across the United States of America, and I've been every honky-tonking bar I think there is. But I've never been in one like this. When you come in here, you might be a stranger. When you leave here, you're a friend. Next time you come back, everybody knows who you are. Um... It's a community, and we come up here and have fun. Emma, Cowboy's wife, was also there. They've been married for 18 years. Okay, I think that uh, the college age people look at us because we're out here, that we're kind of like a, a country hick bar. But I guess the thing I would say most is that perhaps when you leave... A bar down on Kirkwood, and you go to the next bar, you're probably not smiling, but I'll guarantee you, if you come here and you mix with this crew, um, when you leave here, you'll be smiling and you'll be saying, we need to go back there. (laughs) The bar wasn't what we expected, but in the best way possible. It's a place that seems non-judgmental and as friendly as Cowboy and Emma describe. I think sometimes community spaces like that are intimidating. You don't know whether you'll be welcomed or not. But I didn't feel like a newcomer. It seems like one of those rare spaces where friendships can form, where you can not only get out of your comfort zone, but expand it. Sometimes college can feel like a bubble. The same group of friends, weekend after weekend. 
but the cabin seems like a place where all types of people come together, all outside their own individual bubbles. Cheesy, I know, but true. And you want to interview old people? I mean... That well, was not what they wanted to do, but that's out. who we are. <laughs> We're the only ones here. <laughs> For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Abby Gibson. And I'm Carter Barrett. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio on 99.1 WIUX. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Next week, Casey Ross will host our show about the human body. The human body could increase arsenic levels in your body by at least broad human bodies here with us. To find out how you can hack your body to reverse disease and find optimal health. What exactly can it do? He was literally dead on the floor for like 20 minutes. And then he woke up and he thought it was like the early 90s, whenever George Bush won was president, because that's who he thought was the president. Hear stories like this and more from me, your host, Casey Ross, next week on American Student Radio. Thank you for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students at Indiana University Bloomington. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Student Radio and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at ASR Voice. We broadcast new episodes every Sunday at noon on WIOX and stream on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash American student radio. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.